2: Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology here on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 25th of February 2016, only 10 more shopping months till Christmas. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing. And uh, Dave, a funny thing happened just after we got off the air last week. What's that? Well, you know, sometimes I think we ought to do our our live show Fridays at like 5 p.m. Pacific time. Just in case something staggeringly big happens. Yep. You know how we like, you know, uh, governments and large corporations tend to make announcements that might cause controversy, like late Friday afternoon. <laughs> yep. Google did that late Friday afternoon uh, last week. The change in the search results, man. Like yeah. moving outwards from the right to the top. Yep. What do you think? Um,
3: you know to me it makes a lot of sense um like looking at things from google's perspective right uh it was interesting because i had actually just brought on a new client who was doing paid search and i was like okay this is my first setup in this world like this is the first time i've actually set it up right here like where this is this is my default i have no no existing data to compare with um and it, it is it is a, a different realm. I get it from Google standpoint. Those ads on the right really weren't doing all that much anyway. Um, you know, if you if you looked at the image for my blog post, you'll get it. I think a lot of our listeners wouldn't, but it's like basically the, the Google logo, you know, uh, layout inspired by Overture, right? I mean, it, it's, yes. it, you know, it, and you remember those days. It, we're, and, and for our listeners who weren't around like a decade ago, I mean, Overture was basically an engine where the, the order of the entire list was based on who paid most. Right? Like that, that was it. There was no real organic until after the paid. Um, we're sort of hitting that now. Um, at the end of the day, though, I do think, and now I, I've got my PPC hat on because I've been working on it all morning. <laughs> uh, from a PPC standpoint, I like it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, like when I'm managing paid accounts, obviously as an organic SEO, it's a total game changer. Um, because now that we've got four and for our listeners who, who don't know about this yet, this is uh predominantly for commercial inspired terms. You know, there's, there's a lot of exceptions where people have seen Google inspiring and showing four where there should only be three because it's not a commercial term, but, um, at its essence, it's for four, um, you know so now all of a sudden we as you know we, we have a lot of decisions and I know one of the things I'm looking at and it's too early to make decisions on yet but that I'm looking at is okay do we start to sort of double down efforts on organic for the generic the sort of first in terms and then back that up with paid for the commercial because you know com- that's that's where that's going to happen. So you know, hit the well, user brand I, and then get the click on on the on the conversion later with a with a higher conversion rate because they've seen us twice now. I mean, that's well, a,
2: a couple things about that. Um, I tend to specialize in organic SEO, so this was a, like you said, it's a game changer for me. There's yeah. not as much space for um, the already shrinking area for organic SERPs. Now, I've always thought of organic search results as like Google's major loss leader. <laughs> this is what brings people into the shop. You right. can sell them stuff once they're in the shop, but you got to get them into the shop. If you don't get them in the shop, you got nowhere to sell them stuff, right? And I'm a little concerned that Google might be um, shooting its old its own golden goose here. You know, um, we know that uh, AdWord revenues for Google are still increasing, but they're not increasing as rapidly as they have been in years previously. Mm-hmm. So Google's still making more money; it's just not making as much money as fast, which <laughs> is a problem when you're a public company, right? Um, so I see this move as you know Google trying to you know sort of massage the revenues a little bit, but I'm not sure that's actually going to happen for them. A couple of points: that you used to have more than four AdWords appearing on the front page. Now you're going to th- have now you're only going to be limited to four. They're going to be at the top of search results and that makes me question the value of a lower placement in AdWords. words. So, are is bidding going to go like out of control for those top 4 placements or will um we and start start seeing click throughs de- actually decrease as um search users, you know, they they've been primed to sort of ignore the 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 sponsored ads. Mhm.
3: You know, we my first instinct was we are going to see those top listings just hammer up in in, in cost, right? Like that—that that was my instinct when I when I heard this. My first thought was, "Wow, those ads are going to get expensive." Um, you know, those those top four. Um, cool. And then I it actually occurred to me while I was it's funny. It was this morning while I was working on a paid campaign, and it kind of hit me while I was adjusting their bid strategies. I'm like, you know what? Maybe not. Um it may actually just be a a way of, of sort of cleaning up the results because there's also the possibility, I mean, at the end of the day, we were all bidding anything up to cost, right? Like basically All of us, you know, anybody involved in paid search was just trying to maximize revenue per conversion. That's what we were all doing anyway. And so we were all bidding that way, right? So we were all basically setting our maximum bids to whatever. I mean, I'm oversimplifying here, but most people were willing to bid whatever it took to get it. I mean, just look at like hosting or something like that, and you'll see it, right? The the bid costs in in there. Well, basically, you're just bidding whatever it is to get the client at a profit over, over a set period of time, so, so per, sort of per conversion. Whether there's four, whether there's 50 listings, what I can afford to spend per conversion is still the same, right? So I, I do wonder how much it will impact that. Does it draw the eye more there is, is what I'm thinking. So I, I'm guessing, and, and of course I'm guessing, and, and for our listeners, don't I, – I, I have no idea what, what we're actually going to be seeing in the real it's very world early still. That's way too early, but what I think we're going to see happen is we're going to see a lot more um, click through, like a higher click through rate. And actually a lot of people aren't going to be in those top 4, but you will because we're still you know, people have daily budgets or a lot of people do. You're still going to burn through that at a at a set conversion rate, but what is the top 4 is still going to rotate. People are going to be in and out depending on their daily budgets. So You know, it'll be interesting to see, and and I know I'm going to be watching this very closely. I've got campaigns that were running before, and so I get to see them transition over. And now I've got a brand new one that started just after that that I get to see it. That's the only thing it's ever been, and and so it'll be interesting to compare those two.
2: Well, I figure if that's the case, then, um, you know, you're going to be maxing your ad spend daily. And as you're saying, you know, as one, one person maxes their ad spend, another one comes into the SERPs. I bet you, if I was in Google's position, I would be adding a lot more controls to the AdWords platform. You know, controls for the advertiser. Um, You know how you can uh, target certain times your ad will appear in certain areas? Yeah. I'd break that down to the exact minute, you know, if I was Google now. And I I would give uh, AdWords advertisers a lot more control over... Um, how and when their ads appear to make the environment more compelling and also to, you know, let advertisers mess around with experiment to increase their click through rates or at least jimmy with their cost per acquisition. Yeah,
3: no, that's 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 an interesting point. I mean, there's, as you know, there's lots of great tools in there. Uh, but, you know, the more they can give us, the better. Uh, it's interesting. You mentioned uh, that one, and I wish I could remember the name of the tool. Hopefully, I'll remember it for next week. Uh, but there was a neat one I saw, and so I will, I will try and dig up what it's called. And, and if, if you work there and, and you're listening right now, um, you know, send me an email. Let me know. Uh, but it actually monitored for sudden increases in your conversion rates through analytics and would then spike your spends. It was really, really neat. Like It was, it was quite an elaborate system, but it was basically monitoring for, like, oddities like there must have been a mention on television there must have been like for all those sorts of things it was more meant for large brands um, where all of a sudden if it saw a signal in one area it would giant or drop your spends or like it, it would make these adjustments to what you were bidding and what you were doing based on what your traffic and conversion rates were like um, across the board anyway um that's that's a complete
2: aside, obviously but uh, well, yeah let's take a couple of seconds and look at what this means for organic search there's a lot of confusion around um, what types of search results this change is actually going to affect. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Google didn't, uh, didn't really clear the air very much in their original announcement because they said that it was going to, be, it was going to affect um, highly commercial queries where the layout is able to provide more relevant results for searching and better, and better performance for advertisers. So what, yeah. did, what did that mean? It turns out, a highly commercial search query is the type of query where somebody is expressing an intention that they're going to purchase something. Um, so, for instance, um, dentist Minneapolis that might not be a highly commercial search query, but buy laptop Minneapolis that would that would likely be a highly commercial search query because you had the word buy in there, right? Yeah, it's
3: interesting how they're making these decisions. I'm sure you've seen some weird anomalies in there too where I'm like, actually my intent is to buy and I'm not seeing the fourth ad or <laughs> like um or vice versa.
2: Um now this is global. It's hap- it's supposed to have rolled out across, you know, all a- all uh, all countries, all languages, etc. Um it's hard to say if this is going to last or not, you know? like Dave, I, I, I caution you be careful adopting uh, new major strategies at this time because <laughs> this could just be Google throwing you mud up on the wall, see if it sticks, right? Oh, Google would never do that. No, <laughs> indeed not. You know what I did see today for the very first time? In Chrome, I saw my very first non-HTTPS warning. Have you seen one yet? Yeah, just today. They're stark, <laughs> aren't they? Yeah. yeah. That thing um, like right off the page at me and sort of smacked me in the head saying, what are you, stupid? Don't go to this page. Yeah, I know. It's like, okay. <laughs> you know, I, you got to give them this.
3: They've been giving us warning. Right? Like, it's not like anybody can go, E, I didn't know you wanted me in HTTPS. Right. <laughs> they were there um you know obviously i still find it a bit ridiculous in some instances where it actually isn't necessary right like if you don't have forms for confidential information or something so what <laughs> like um you know if you're just a brochure about a movie right or like you know a brochure site you know about a, about a you know whatever a movie or or whatnot um, and you're you're just there to advertise. You're not there to and, and provide information. You're not there to collect any information. Why should you get that warning? Like it, but at the same time, you know, I mean, there you are. They told us, and it's not that hard to do.
2: No, this is one of the one of the uh, changes at Google that actually sort of runs contrary to Google's speed up the web mission. You know, the HTTPS does require that extra that extra handshake, which is you know a millisecond, but it's still a millisecond.
3: It does now. One I was just reading about because I've been I've been dealing with this with a hosting company. However, is HTTP two only works on HTTPS? So, you know, on the other side, they've got that one going. Yeah, but speed, we need HTTPS to, for for HTTP two. So. There you go. There's there's your speed. Unfortunately, a lot of hosting companies aren't supporting HTTP two yet. So, um, yeah, you got to get that that sorted out. I, ironically, my own host doesn't, but they're working on it. So,
2: <laughs> uh, out, of, out of curiosity, were they working on it before? You called them, or were they working on it, like, 15 seconds after you called them? You know what, by
3: their answer, and they were like, yeah, and if you use our CDN and this, that, they they were clearly, they're aware. It's, uh, you know what, I'll just list. It's WP Engine. They know their stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, the way they they, they, they he, he had quickly responded, going, yeah, if you go this route, it will speed up, because the CDN is... But no, we're not yet. We're just not upgrading our servers yet. But it will be handled. You know, they're working on it and making sure it's going to be stable. So the the speed with which you could respond it or respond certainly did let me know. Yeah, they're they're on it, and there's certainly a, a lot of less. I don't know, elite hosting companies or something like. I that's the wrong word to use, but you know less notable for, for, for speed and, and sort of service and stuff like that than, than WP engine that have already made that transition. So they, they've got to know about it. I think HostGator and and ones like that even have HostGator, fine. They're decent. I, you know, I've used them for affiliate sites and stuff, but um, you know, if they're doing it, then, then certainly WP engine and uh, VPS.net and stuff like that should, uh, should be on it. And
2: um, they are. We're gonna to have to jump to break in a couple seconds. Before I go, I got a note. You know, you know that the, the uh, PubCon social media conference is happening in Florida right now, eh? Yes. There's a photo that just went up on Twitter. It was uh, placed up by John Hirsch um, at John Her- I'm sorry, Josh Hirsch at Josh Hirsch one, and it's a picture of Dave Schneider and Matt Satella. <laughs> and. Uh, I, I I got to drop this in, in in our comment window for you to in a second. You got to see this. These guys both have the full on like Taliban beards. <laughs> it's one of the most <laughs> remarkable pictures I've ever seen. Awesome! Why well, I'm
3: looking to... forward to seeing it. Um, yeah, I, I'm following it. I'm sure you're you're following it. Um, it's that. It's got to be a great show.
2: I know. I wish I was one of those. Wish you were there things. Yeah. Maybe next year. Uh, yeah. There's, um... I get the, the whole conference world is turning itself around right now. It feels like it's turning upside down. Um, with, uh, PubCon is... PubCon's always been an amazing show, but... I don't know. Something... something feels like it's happening there. Um... There's a, just seems a lot more energy and uh 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 marketing <laughs> marketing willpower from the PubCon right. crew than in years years previously. Right. So good awesome. on them. Yeah. It's a great show. I'm just I'm just like, you know, killing time right now to uh Oh, we got, okay, we can go to break. Right. Not quite <laughs> enough time to actually get into a story. I was with you. Yeah, I don't, see, I don't want to jump into a whole story because we got to go to break. So we're going to go to break now. Um, friends, you're listening to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. It is the 25th of February, 2016. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beatsocket Internet Marketing. And we're back after these messages.
1: tight and don't move. Webcology will be back after this short break. Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas May 18th and 19th for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on. Interact with expert speakers at informal networking events and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining, and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th, Conversion Conference last year sold out fast and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now.
0: at BruceClay.com.
1: And Dave D.
2: Hey everyone, welcome back to the call to you on webmasterradio.fm. It's the 25th of February 2016. And Dave, you can like it, you can love it, you can... <laughs> you can wow it, you can sad it, or you can be angry about it. But, you know, one thing you can't be is ambivalent. It's been 24 hours now. Um, Facebook's uh, new emoticon language of emoticons. What do you think? Um,
3: you know, at the at the end of the day, I think we have to look at this from two angles, right? You need to look at it from the angle of the user. Why would they be trying to appease the user? Uh, you know, I, I think they've got a lot of options. Was that 100% necessary? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Like, I, it's still a bit novel to me, so I'm, you know, using them. We'll see whether that holds out over time. I do think having a dislike button. Like, how often have you been frustrated? Me, every user of Facebook on the planet, where, like, you see a post, it's actually sad or frustrating or annoying or something. You want to (laughs) react. You want to put a thing in there, but you can't like it, right? Like, we've all been there. So I think on that stance, it was a good move. Um, Some of the options, a little odd. Um, Like, where I think, I get that they want it to be limiting, but... Hey, you know, I, I might have selected a little bit different, but at the end what I'm really really interested in from my standpoint. And again, you know what? I'm about to do some, some paid Facebook, so I that's that's sort of I where might I'm there. Manipulate this. Um, well, that's what I'm thinking is like as a marketer, if I can like if if I know that Facebook is better understanding what my reaction is. It's not just a like on a post about, you know, somebody's dog dying right like no i was just engaging right like no okay this person's actually sad right now or this person's frustrated or actually understanding more about my state and my actual reaction to a specific thing if i'm reacting to a specific story about nike you know do i like it do i not um you know that would impact whether nike would want to advertise to me Right, so I, I think that side of it is actually obviously more what they're getting at. I don't know if they're obviously they want more user engagement, but and, and to give their users options. But um, I think what if I was Facebook, I'd really be looking at is, hey, how can we better target uh, ads to people? How can we better target um, information to them and uh, and you know make more money? I, I think from that standpoint, it was it was a really really good call on their part.
2: You know, I uh, it's. I'm ambivalent on these buttons. I'm not using them yet. Um, I really think we need a "Wow, man!" button so we can distinguish between "I'm really surprised" and "Wow, man, that's cool." Um, <laughs> my uh, a couple uh, of our friends in the uh, the industry have cancer. A very dear friend in the industry died last year. My girlfriend has cancer, and I see posts that go up addressing, you know, as like you said, like really sad issues, and people don't know what to do about those posts and they want to acknowledge, they want to at least show some sort of support and they hit like, and I look at my girlfriend's status and she writes about a terrible day she's having, uh, you know, in pain and stuff. And there's like 30 likes there. And I'm like, Oh God, you got, you know, really? Right.
3: But now you get that, you get that engagement. And I get it because often I'm sure it happens to your girlfriend. I'm sure you, you see it. um, You know, I see it where it's like, I don't, actually know you well enough that i can put in a comment right after your mom right but i do know you well enough to feel some sympathy here so you know yeah and i think that's sort of what it's what it's built for um I, I think from that it's you know a great move and i'm sure her posts and you know let me know I, i'm actually gonna be interested to see how does that impact her as a user too. Um, you know, to actually get these reactions more appropriately to what uh, to what they should be, although it, it apparently hasn't rolled out 100 um, percent across. When,
2: all uh, people. One thing I, you know, one thing I'm uh, interested in is how Facebook is tracking the data. Mm-hmm. Is this a uh, you know sliding scale of like to suck? Um, will this will my use of emoticons influence what comes across my newsfeed? Um there's a bunch of a bunch of questions that have to be asked but I think chief among them is the one that that I know you're silently asking inside your head how do I manipulate this
3: <laughs> Yeah like as as a paid advertiser you've got to be looking at that going there is a way and it may not apply directly to me uh but I can certainly see as large brands where you're going to be news about you is going to be getting all sorts of different reactions there's there's going to be some opportunities and I have a feeling it'll probably be they're going to need some time to figure it out so we're probably looking 6 months maybe a year out before we're going to see that added in to our like who are you targeting in this boosted post who are you you know advertising to for on your website and what is their opinion of you and i could see cases where you would want to market to people who actually don't really like you right (laughs) where you're getting your message out to people who might be frustrated with you or people who you know where you'd want to keep it restricted to people who've reacted favorably to stories about you and and whatnot so it'd be interesting
2: yep i think so too and uh, again this is it's, it's one of those things that facebook may or may not keep but you know um, I love how WTFSEO.com is becoming the onion of the SEO industry. <laughs> they have a headline up reading Man Unsure If Too Soon to Use Facebook Love Icon.
3: <laughs> what else
2: do we got here? Um, okay.
3: Something that I have not seen. Um, actually, Mary brought it to my attention yesterday. Um, and, you know, we go to, to Whistler a lot. Um, so she had punched in uh, into Google Whistler events. Um, it is very, very poorly done, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but for the first time, if you if you do it, if you if you Google Whistler events, you'll see what I'm talking about. They're actually showing lists of specific Ooh. events in Whistler now.
2: Oh, that's uh, awful.
3: Now, click. Th- yeah, I know. I, I was expecting when she had mentioned it that we were going to see more like the movies we we had seen in the past, right, with different actors and stuff. No, it's 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 not looking great. And if you click through, actually, the experience is very poor. Um, but it is interesting to see this coming into new areas. Um, so I think, and, and I, I that was triggered to that by the fact that we were talking about organic and the loss of the four spots, that's where we regain, right? Like that's where as organic SEOs, where we regain control. Again, um, and I know Jen uh, Sleg had covered it a ton, as had like a bunch of speakers at, uh, at State of Search last summer, um, was uh, the featured snippets in Google, and I think that's where we gain control again on the generic terms and on the featured snippets and, and other related areas um, like that.
2: I got to say, one of the one of the very cool outcomes of all these changes at Google uh, changed, you know, the, the way the serps look, uh, the addition of uh, information through rich snippets, etc is there's a the introduction of AMP pages. Mm-hmm. There's a, a whole new technical side of SEO that's becoming essential again. You remember a couple of years ago, um, you know, I think even as recently as uh, last spring, um, other, shall we say, competing actors in the online advertising uh, sector were able to rightly say, SEO is all about content and links and, you know, Google's got it all pretty much figured out. Don't worry about your page so much. Just get the stuff on page now. That's changed. There's – it's like, it's like uh, peeling an onion. There's six or seven new layers of technical knowledge necessary to get prominence on Google or on Bing than, you know, than there was even this time last year.
3: Yeah, and isn't that great? Like if it stagnated, how much would that suck for us?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and it did suck for us for a little while there Yeah, um, you know, yeah that's
3: true, um, it got a little more difficult um, Because you were competing in the same banging your head against the wall kind of kind of fashion And now, um, yeah, we've got new mechanisms in place I, I, I'm excited by it, I like it all um, And you brought up AMP, I mean, how exciting is that?
2: Uh, remains to be seen actually. I'm quite excited about it. I think it's amazing. I'm a little bit concerned about uh, a major shift in... uh, How to say this? I'm not going to say it's a major shift in web habits. Google is trying to promote a major shift in web user habits. Mm -hmm. And that always concerns me. Because, you know, obviously Google is going to, you know, enact policies that are as Google-friendly as possible. Not, Not necessarily... As information friendly or web friendly, I mean, you know what you know what App really does speeds up your page by about two or three seconds, right? Which is a huge, enormous amount of time on a cell phone. Yeah, but that oh, yeah. was only was three seconds long.
3: Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's a case of you are losing some functionality. Like as both a user yeah. uh, and as a website owner, you can't. There are things you can't do um, with it, but it is pretty slick, and I think for publishers specifically, it's gonna be great uh, because you can still slip your ads in there. <laughs> there was a little concern about that early on, ads in there. And so I, I think for publishers, it's gonna be great because you can get to the information you need faster. Um, and even if you have say responsive sites, you can still use AMP. Um, you know to it basically it just strips out all all the crap. Um, and leaves you with just the content. And it, it's not ideal yet, at least in, in most implementations I've seen where people obviously don't quite have a handle on what they're doing, uh, myself included. But it, it <laughs> you know, not, I'm not, I'm not calling everybody out, not me. Um, but it's, I, I think it is, it's going to be really, really interesting to see. And it is going to be faster. If nothing else, okay, we've got AMP, we got, uh, you know, HTTP2, we got, you know, Speed. Speed is obviously a huge issue to Google right now.
2: So, for anybody who's wondering what to do next, there you go. Speed. It's all about the mobile universe. Now, yeah. do you remember the uh, one of the early gurus of uh, web usability, Jacob Nielsen? Oh, wow. Yeah, there's I an know, name wow Yeah. It took it. While you were talking, seriously, you, well, you, you had about 45 seconds there, and I was straining to get Nelson's name in my head. <laughs> um, he was a proponent of, of very stripped-down sites, you know, Craigslist looking like websites. Yeah. He'll be pleased with what comes out of AMP. But if you're into the, you know, the flashy website or the website that has a number of features for users or that has forms for users to fill in or even, you know, really tracking your users a hell of a lot, you're not going to like AMP so much. Not this iteration anyway. No. No. But, it,
3: I mean, it is going to evolve very quickly. So, um you know, and for our listeners who don't know, if you're in WordPress, there's actually a plugin. Now it's not perfect, believe you me, but <laughs> there is a plugin that will at least try, and it'll do a better job than your site is doing right now. Um, so you can just install the plugin, and uh, and it, it creates the AMP pages for you. Again, you're, when you do it, you're going to see a bunch of errors showing up. I know I saw the same errors, and I'm still working on repairing them. Um, a bunch of errors pop up um, in your search console, but um, it's better to have those errors than not have your AMP pages. It's only telling you it's wrong on something you have,
2: not that you don't have it, which is worse in this case. There you go. Absolutely. Now, again, watch for those uh, watch for those errors. Be aware. It's going to take four – I understand it's going to take uh, up to four or five days for um, Google to acknowledge a correction. I, I'm sorry. I read that just before going on. Just before the show went online. Mm-hmm. So be aware of that. But um, yeah, uh, start start experimenting now because as of this week, uh, Google is giving a little bit of extra support to amplified pages. That's my new term for them, eh? Amplified pages. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was creative. Good. Okay, here we go back. Here we go back again, Dave. Can you tell me how Google treats a subdomain differently than a domain or a subfolder? <laughs> uh, okay, last I had heard
3: <laughs> um and this has gone back and forth quite a few times as you know, Jim, over the last I don't know fifteen years we've been doing this or whatever um, that they are treated the same as a folder subdomain that's 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 what i'm I'm locking in on same as a folder um except not quite in practical experience. <laughs> like,
2: I don't know if that's like that that, right. Pardon yeah, me? Something like that. According to John Mueller, who I think is correct in this one, um, we generally try to recognize separate sites when they are on subdomains, even when they are in subdirectories or subfolders, that, and then treat them as separate sites. However, we also try to recognize when one, one website essentially uses subdomains as a way of kind of organizing its structure. So what John's trying to say there is, if you're obviously trying to make separate sites, um, toronto.somethingoranother.com, uh, uh, miami.somethingoranother.com, mm-hmm. those are obviously separate sites for separate audiences. Right. Sometimes people don't use subdomains that way, though. You know, like it's uh, cars.autotrader.com and then vans.autotrader.com. Right. Clearly the same website, different, subs, different sections. Yeah. So that, runs into, that brings up the question, if a manual penalty is applied to a subdomain, might that affect the entire website? Right. And
3: logically, if they see it as part of the same site, then it should.
2: Yeah. That's, that's... Basically, John said, yes, it will. If there's a problem on one part of the website, it's all part of the same domain. There may well be problems on other parts of that domain that Google hasn't discovered yet. But Google is still trying to suss out the difference between a subdomain that's intended to be a standalone website, and a subdomain that's just part of the way the webmaster has uh, categorized his or her website. So it's an ambivalent answer. <laughs> Go bigger, From John? Really? Yeah, it was a, it was a trick question, you know, eh? <laughs> <laughs> um, for the most part, I think it's safe to assume that if Google sees a problem on a subdomain, and it applies a manual penalty, that will affect the rest of the website. That that that's going to be my rule of thumb from this point forward. Yeah, until not- until they get a a little clearer on the explanation. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Um, yeah, I would think so. So, uh, where are we going next? We got about we got about five minutes before we got to jump to a commercial. What's a nice short What's a nice short story?
3: Okay, well, uh, Google's in trouble in the UK. Well, oh, actually let's again? just say Europe. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got uh oh, a second. Oh, you know what?
2: Sorry Braska, that's yeah. that'll be the story we come back with. Yeah, we should take the break now. We're going fi- to we're going to find that story about uh, uh, Google being in trouble in the EU again. Until then, <laughs> Got some wonderful commercials here on Webmaster Radio.fm. On behalf of Jay and B. Socket in the is Jim Andrew, which is always media. Listen to Webcology on webmasterradio.fm. Stay tuned. We're back after these messages.
1: Sit tight and don't move. Webcology. We'll be back after this short break.
0: Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean,
3: mean, converting machine.
0: Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at WMETraining.com.
1: Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at Orange Commercials
0: off
1: back to Webcology, only on webmasterradio.fm. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies.
2: This is an automated Google Intelligence Analytics alert. Your website has hit over 10,000 referrals from Google today. You can now officially slack off. (laughs) Hey, we're back here on webmasterradio.fm. I'm getting these amazing, like, Google intelligence alerts Um, when one of the websites, one of our publisher sites, when they get, like, 10,000 referrals in a day from Google, boom, it goes off for me. I am a happy man today. (laughs) You got it a little earlier in the day than normal? It's coming earlier and earlier every day. Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm going to throw something out there, Dave. You're going to... Probably hold your head and maybe bang it on the desk for a second, but here's my new Penguin speculation. (laughs) I'll just just get the laughing
3: out ahead of time.
2: Penguins actually operating. That's my new speculation. I've had a couple websites that have not just done turnarounds in the last like three months, but have done jet fuel inspired turnarounds. Every time we talk about the penguin, we get Rick Rule. But I'm serious man. <laughs> something happening happened up there at Google and there's a lot of spam in the top ten results, and there's my clients. Like, it's amazing.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I had seen uh, I think he posted was that you who'd posted about the about the spam all over the place that you were seeing, or anyway. No, Christine
2: posted about. that uh yesterday or the day before.
3: Ah, gotcha. Um yeah, it's obviously uh you know interesting
2: <laughs> seeing,
3: well, no. uh, seeing more and more of that I, I, you know what? I, I think there are some major shifts going on, so I'm going to give them a little bit of breathing room um, on the pickup of of maybe not perfect results right now, um, but I think they are trying to change like we 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 never have like nothing to talk about. I think they're trying to roll out too many things too fast uh, well,
2: i I think obviously you know some some of the folks at Google are quite busy trying to avoid the French tax man. (laughs) They're they're, they're too busy to clean up the serfs. They're they're busy running away from the the French and UK tax authorities whilst eating a double Irish Dutch sandwich. (laughs) Now, one might wonder what the hell a double Irish Dutch sandwich is. (laughs) It's a tax dodge where you register... uh, Well, that's the thing, that's the thing, Brasco. They're trying to tell Google how it will be, and Google's like, no, it doesn't matter. We're, uh, we're Google. What are you going to do about it? So the French Treasury Department has been seeking over a billion euros. That's like, you know, 150 billion American in uh, Google for avoiding local taxes using, you know, what is a completely legal revenue shifting scheme, which is, you know, referred to as the double Irish Dutch sandwich. You register in Ireland, you transfer all your money to banks in the Netherlands, and you avoid national you avoid national taxes in many of the places you operate. America's chasing Google for taxes. France and the UK are chasing Google for taxes. Oh hell. Um, the UK wants Google to pay a hundred and eighty-one million in back taxes for a ten-year period starting in two thousand and five. And I think they're getting off lucky for that—you know, 18 million in taxes for operating in the UK. Um, Italian authorities are seeking about 330 million in back taxes over the last six years. And again, Google and and Google's not the only tech firm doing this, but you know, Google's the one that's uh, getting singled out mostly because they're Google. Right. What do you think about that, man? I mean, like. These, these companies have become the backbone of, of international uh, communications. Uh, they've become the backbone of personal communications and personal uh, information gathering. By nature, they have to operate in you know, every country in, in the world, and you know, by, by, by law, they have to have offices in many of these countries. Should they have to pay taxes on their revenues from each country?
3: In my opinion, and you know, I mean, I'm I'm certainly no accountant, but we're just talking about opinion here. To me, the, the answer is short and sweet. It's yes. Now, um, you know, should they be being hit with bills for using loopholes that were built in there? No, because to go back in time, they would have structured everything completely different in that environment. Like, I don't think that's a, a fair thing to do. It's like, making something illegal and then charging me because I did it five years ago. But you can't do that. Yeah. Um, but these laws should like clearly, like you, you described it well and it's ludicrous that the laws even allow for that. <laughs> these tax laws just shouldn't be like that. Um, and so that's what the French actually need to be addressing. Like they're, they're trying to go after, you know, and, and, and make some big numbers and, and go after billions of dollars. Truthfully, they probably have millions of dollars on the table um, that they can legitimately get at. I mean, you know, the U.K. settled for, for less and there's there's whole, you know, conspiracies around that. But um, I think at the end of the day, no, you need to change the laws. You can't charge them for obeying the laws before, but you do need to change those laws. That's ridiculous. If I was setting up a structure, I'd go, what you earn in France is taxable in France. What you earn in Canada is taxable in Canada. If you don't want to do business and you don't like the tax laws there... Don't do business there, right? But if, if you're if you're pulling money out of an economy and, and making money in that economy, you know, so be it. That's that's where you pay your taxes. If you're set up there, it's different. When you're just like you know, like you, you probably have an American client. Okay, that gets a little weird. That's no, <laughs> but when you're actually setting up a corporation somewhere, I, I think that's where uh, where,
2: where well, for me, get. for me, I live in the, I live in the province of Ontario, which has um, two different taxes that I have to apply. In two different ways. One of them is a federal tax, the other is a provincial tax. And on every sale I make, I got to apply these taxes. That adds up to 13%, except right. to Americans. I don't charge them the federal tax because, or I'm sorry, I'm charging them other the tax because they're not going to be the beneficiaries of said service, right. or, or of what those taxes are paying for. Right. But I still got to pay taxes on the profits I make, on top of the th- extra 13% I have to charge to clients. Right. Um, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. The small sure. business has to pay it. Um, the large businesses should have to pay them as well.
3: It's true. Now, something I think that makes the the scenario that they're in right now a little bit different um, than, than, say, the example you listed, and this is, I think, where the laws find it difficult, is in their case, in, in what we're talking about here, you would – actually be legally responsible to pay taxes in the united states which you don't you pay them in canada right like because right. that's where your, your income's coming in from whereas they're being charged by france even though they're an american company right so uh, but, I mean, that, but they do have support. google
2: france they do have they do google- have google france and
3: i think that's to me that's where it should just tip over as soon as you are a company in that in that country then then that you know <laughs> that kicks in and all of a sudden now you, you the taxes that you generate in that country uh yeah. or, or the revenues should be taxed in that country i think that's a good tipping point because that means you're large enough that this isn't like can you imagine if you had to pay due taxes file for the irs and file for revenue canada like what a nightmare that would be for every small business on the planet
2: oh indeed okay speaking of tipping point uh, that's a hell of a segue anyway our kickover. kick over um we got, we got a couple minutes here yep. did you see the video of uh the new google bot google google robot uh boston dynamics made this robot and then they beat the heck out of it with a hockey stick what they were trying to demonstrate is even when sent off task their robot is able to continue with its programmed tasks picking up and stacking boxes which when you think about it is actually a, rem- uh, a much more difficult thing to do um you know when 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 you were trying to map it out in your head, stacking different sized boxes is quite difficult for a robot. It's it's one of those uh, litmus tests. So Boston Dynamics builds this robot, successfully uh, stacks boxes, and then they on one of their tests they beat the crap out of it with a hockey stick to try to with well, stacking it boxes. <laughs> I don't want this one. I don't want this machine to learn that humans will beat the crap out of it. <laughs> Because <laughs> eventually it's going to learn to fight back. Yeah, AI does not go into that robot. No, not at all. Well, actually, quite a bit of AI has to go into that robot so it knows when it's pushed, um, you know, three or four uh, uh, centimeters to the right to correct itself and pick the box up again. I think it's just so phenomenal.
3: It, it did really good, and I'm sure you saw, like, its ability to walk outdoors in the snow on uneven terrain and rebalance itself as it was moving. It, it is fairly a fairly impressive machine. Uh, I saw some comments. I can't remember if it's your wall or, or somebody else's, or maybe just unmashable comments um, where, where they were talking about it. Going yeah, another five years though, and we've got these things in the field, right uh, there. undoubtedly.
2: Yeah, undoubtedly. Okay. Last thing. Uh, then we got. Then we will have to go. We're going to get played out on this one, I think. But it's definitely worth mentioning. This is like, especially for developers. Microsoft made a major purchase yesterday. It purchased the, I'm trying to find out, oh jeez, I'm trying to find the story in the last seconds. It goes away. Um, Xamarin? That's the one. Thank you. Major app maker. Um, add this purchase to what Microsoft is doing out in the clouds and then throw AI in and look at where the future of our industry is going. I think it's phenomenal. Just that—that that just blew my mind when, when Microsoft announced that purchase. So basically, Microsoft's going to make it easier for app makers to build apps.
3: What more can you ask? Um,
2: well, you know, I, this to me is a lot like when WordPress was developed. WordPress, you know, allowed anyone to make a web a website we're coming into the day um, probably sooner than we think where pretty much anyone will be able to code an app. Right.
3: Now that's it. And the great thing is, is all that seems to do is really pushes that bar forward, right? It it just, it raises the bar um, and means that yours needs to be the best. Like I, at least I found like with WordPress, it's like, did that mean that all of a sudden web designers were out of jobs? No, it meant that, template was already sort of the, the groundwork was already laid and now they could put their attention into being artists and, and creating something brilliant um, rather than focusing on just coding the fact that it needs to be a page
2: well the same sort of energy is happening in the apps world and again i how to say this when we talk about stories like this it's not so much to um you know congratulate microsoft on this purchase as it is as uh, you know I, I sort of see this as a, a flagstone or a uh, a milestone in, in in on the web definitely worth paying attention to. Okay, we're getting pleated. That was that was the uh, the hook music. So, we've done that whole hour. Dave, that was a fun show.
3: That was a great show.
2: <laughs> um friends, we got to go. So, on behalf of Dave Davies from b and Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. You're listening to Web Ecology on Webmasterradio.fm on the 25th of February 2016. Stick around. There's great content coming up on the network after the news. Yeah. <laughs>